0: Welcome to Money & Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Today we look at the drivers of a weakening U.S. dollar and what it could mean for markets. Also, we'll ask if a part of the U.S. Treasury yield has inverted again. Does this spell doom and gloom for investors or is it a fluke that this recession indicator has nailed it for the past 50 years? But first, it sounds like a bad riddle. Is the U.S. market in a bull market, a bear market or a bull in a bear? More specifically, if we look at the Nasdaq composite, which is up more than 20% from its June low, is it a flashing sign of a bull market or would that assessment be jumping the gun? As Michael Burry, the man who bet on the housing market collapse ahead of the 2008 crash, he of the big shot movie fame, uh, Big Short, Has called out. He's now a big shot. Um, He's called out his his, this uh, in his now deleted tweets. You know this idea that we're jumping the gun. So let's find out what Cheng Chaisen, head of investment at Provident, makes of the questions. Good morning, Chaisen.
1: Good morning, Michelle.
0: All right, so the Nasdaq Composite officially exited bear market territory last week. The S&P 500, the Dow also showed strong weekly gains. A rise of 20% is a popular gauge for declaring the arrival of a new bull market. In fact, last Wednesday, um, we heard many of you know commentators debating about this. So why do you say that this 20% Nasdaq gain doesn't necessarily mean that we are in a new bull market?
1: Well, first, let's just quickly refresh what's a bear market, what's a bull market for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, a bear market, you know, is simply a term used by financial press and analysts to describe a twenty percent fall for stocks from a recent peak, and that's what happened for the Nasdaq and S&P 500 sometime in June. And the bull market is basically slightly the opposite of that. It's what analysts and the press used to describe a 20% rise from a recent low. So, you know, by that measure, the Nasdaq has bounced more than 20% from its recent lows in June. And, you know, it's leading some people to describe it as a new bull market. I think The key thing to note here, though, is that uh, despite the rally, the Nasdaq is still down about 18% for the year. So despite it, you know, having had a very, very big bounce, there's still some way to go to make up for the losses for this year. And, you know, as to what that means, you know, is this for stocks? Is it Mm. is the worst over? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where are we going next? It's very likely that it's a bit too early to say that we are out of the woods uh, entirely. But what is encouraging is that the recent economic data has been uh, fairly robust. We've seen a very strong uh, jobs report coming out of the US. And the recent price data has also shown that inflation might be moderating. We've been seeing some lower CPI print that didn't go any higher, lower production price print. And that's, what gives, that's what's given the market the optimism to really rally from its uh, lows. It's not just the Nasdaq, it's also the S&P 500. It's had about a 15% rally from the low. So any continued moderation. So what to look out for is really any continued moderation of price pressures okay. uh, in the US is likely to be positive for the markets because that might possibly possibly slow the pace of rate hikes by central banks globally although if you keep an eye on what the central bankers have been saying uh, it's not really been the case so right now it's a question of you know are the markets right and will the central banks slow the pace of rate hikes or will the central bankers you know do what they're they say they're going to do and they're going to continue this uh, relatively high pace of uh, rate hikes to combat inflation
0: all right let's switch gears and look at the u.s dollar which has been appreciating against other major currencies since last year but is beginning to face some headwinds so the u.s dollar currently trading at around 133 to the yen that's 20 percent higher than a year ago but over the past month we have seen the yen start to regain some of those losses similarly the greenback is up some 15 percent against the euro as compared with a year ago but it is of one percent over the past month now what is your read over the US dollar
1: yeah I think One thing to uh, be clear is currencies are typically affected by the interest rates that that currency will provide. So, in the case of the US dollar, you know, the Federal Reserve uh, overnight rate, you know, is a key determinant of, in a way, how much the US dollar is worth or how much demand there would be for the US dollar. And obviously, the higher the interest rate a currency has versus other currencies, uh, the demand for that currency will increase. So, you know, the U.S. dollar strength that we saw in the first half of the year Mm -hmm. is because the expectations that the Fed would raise interest rates and the fact that they actually did raise interest rates very quickly versus uh, central banks in the other parts of the developed world, such as uh, Europe, which has only just raised interest rates uh, once Mm -hmm. and they went from negative 50 basis points or 0.5% to 0%. And uh, the Bank of Japan, which has not touched their interest rates at all and they continue to Maintain their uh, easy monetary policy. So, from in that standpoint, the US dollar has strengthened because they have actually been raising their interest rate. Mm-hmm. And so, in the past month, then last year, the past couple of weeks, the, U- the recent US CPI came in unchanged month on month. The producer price index that was just released on Friday uh, showed a fall month on month in the latest report. And so you know the market has been actually anticipating that now will not raise interest rates as high as previously expected mm. because the inflation data is possibly moderating, and you can see this in the prices for the Fed funds futures. So last week the probability of a 75 basis points rate hike in the Fed funds rate was 52 percent, measured by the Fed funds futures. Uh, this week it's down to 31 percent. And the probability of a fifty basis point high is now sixty nine percent, and uh, for the listeners, a one basis point is one hundredth of a percentage. so So you can see that the market is now actually thinking the Fed will not raise rates as high mm. as uh, before, and that that expectation is bringing down you know the price of the u s dollar versus the other major currencies.
0: So it's really traders assessing improving inflation data and signs from the Fed. Uh, in terms of its battle against surging inflation. But what does a weakening U.S. dollar generally mean for markets?
1: Weakening U.S. dollar, well, it's not weakened. That much, <laughs> given how high it's strengthened. But uh, typically, a weaker U.S. dollar would be a bit better for emerging markets, a bit better for companies that have borrowed a lot in U.S. dollars, but they earn their profit in their local currency. Because uh, what this means is that uh, it would be cheaper to repay the borrowing cost. Yeah, and it also likely would mean it might moderate, you know, mm-hmm. the the bullishness of the U.S. market. But the the fact is, it's not really, you know, it has. Has weakened over the past month, but it's been far outweighed. But the fact that markets are expecting the Fed to not raise interest rates as high, I think that's, that's a far stronger signal for U.S. markets right now than a weaker U.S. dollar, All right. which, which might improve their corporate profits a
0: bit. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick up on that. So when we've looked at corporate earnings, the number have been hit by the stronger U.S. dollar, you know, up to... Mid July, really, and so the question is: Will this weakening be good for them?
1: Definitely, definitely. Many, uh, this will be good for the large cap U.S. companies that mm. are multinationals and have a large percentage of their profit outside of the U.S., uh, for example, Apple, Microsoft, etc. Netflix, uh, exchange, a- IBM. Yeah. yeah. Companies with global ops, basically. Yeah, the S&P 500. Yes, yes. It will definitely be uh, a good sign for their earnings, definitely be a good boost for them uh, going into the third quarter. But of course, right now, it's just been a very mild weakening, you know, we would need to see it to be much uh, weakened much more for it, I think, to have a bigger impact than, say, the the price increases and the inflation that consumers are facing and how that would impact company earnings.
0: I'm speaking with Cheng Chai-sun, Head of Investment at Provident. Let's look at the U.S. yield curve. Uh, the bond market seems pessimistic. The United States' 10-year government bond has a 2.837% yield. Its 10-year versus 2-year bond spread is minus 41.6% basis points i spoke earlier uh, with an economist shane oliver from australia and uh, he shared a little bit of uh, you know what he reads from the u.s yield curve let's take a listen just picking up on my point so you wrote an article recently arguing for uh, that there is a high risk of global recession can you take us through some of uh, the arguments that make the case for that
1: well it's not my base case uh, we do see the global economy continuing to grow but we are seeing pretty significant monetary tightening globally, uh, and that I think brings it with the risk, brings the risk of recession. And I guess one of the key indicators of that that many economists look at and financial market people is the yield curve, which is the gap between long-term interest rates and short-term interest rates. And In the U.S. parts of the U.S. yield curve has inverted, with longer-term yields falling below shorter-term rates, and that's often a sign that you know investors are getting less optimistic about the future and and in the past inverted yield curves have tended to predict or precede US recessions so that's why the risk has gone up but of course it's not a certainty
0: mm-hmm. All right, that's Shane Oliver, joining me from Sydney, Chief Economist, Head of Investment Strategy at AMP Capital. So over the last 50 years, the U.S. Treasury bond yield curve, the inversion of it, has predicted every U.S. recession over the last 50 years. So does it point to a recession,
1: yeah that's a that's a good question and a very interesting one. I, I guess let's just quickly you know describe the u curve uh, for listeners that might not be uh, so familiar with it. you know if you imagine lining up all the different maturity bonds issued by the u s. treasury from the shortest term to the longest term, and then you connect all the different yields together, you know in normal times, you would get an upward sloping line from left to right, which we would describe as the u curve because uh, and you would expect it to be upward sloping because you know short-term bonds. Being on the left side, having less risk, uh, should have lower yields, right? And longer-term bonds, if you're lending money to somebody for a longer period of time, uh, would have higher yields because they carry more risk. And you know, for yield curve to invert, it would be the opposite. It means that short-term bonds, uh, as you described earlier, have higher yields than the longer-term bonds. And the most watched one is the 210 spread, which you mentioned uh, is already uh, is definitely in negative territory, and so we are seeing an inversion. And yes, you know. I I do agree that based on the historical data, based on all that we have seen so far in the last 50 years, U-curve inversion does have some predictive power. In fact, quite high predictive power going on in the data that there is going to be a recession sometime in the future. I think the the real question is really, uh, even though it might sort of predict uh, a recession is coming. It really doesn't tell you when the recession is coming. Mm-hmm. I think as the last time a uh, yield curve inverted, uh, it was late 2018, early 2019. And uh, you know there was all these questions about U curve inversion, etc. And it took us all the way until you know COVID lockdowns in 2022 20, March before sort of a recession hit. And it was only very briefly for one quarter. Mm. So while it might tell you that a recession is coming, because in a way it's a bit of a, you know you know the market is always forward looking, and so. Uh, you know they would price the yields based on what they feel the economy is going to going to be like in the future it doesn 't really tell you when it 's going to happen uh, so it it's very hard to really use this information to make an uh, investment decision because if you recall it, at the start of 2019, the U-curve was inverted. And if you look at the, the return for stocks in 2019, if you had said, oh, oh no, I'm going to sell out because the U-curve is inverted and there's going to be a recession. And uh, mm. typically during a recession, stocks fall. Yeah. You would have missed out on the returns of 2019, which really wouldn't have been uh, very helpful for uh, achieving your Wealth plans or your financial goals. True. So, so um, yes, it, it does mean that some trouble is coming but it doesn't really tell us when that trouble is coming. So it's, it's not really what you would want to use to, to make an investment decision in your portfolio.
0: All right. Um, besides, you know, whether or not it is a bellwether for a recession, what does an inverted yield curve mean for us in the real world? I mean, are, are you expecting consumers and businesses to be affected? Will we see higher mortgages? Will borrowing in the short term be more expensive?
1: Yeah, it, you know, basically an inverted yield curve does, does mean that uh, short-term bonds will have a higher yield than a longer-term bond. So, borrowing in the short-term will be more expensive. If you were to borrow for the long-term, in theory, it should be cheaper. Uh, it depends on uh, how much the inversion is. Like you just mentioned, it's about 46 basis points. So, you know, it might not be a whole lot cheaper, but yes, in theory, it will be slightly cheaper. Uh, what, what it also means is that um, short-term yields are higher and uh, it's a good time to take advantage of of short-term yields in the market. So, say if you if you're looking to invest in shorter, right uh, now it's probably a good time to invest in shorter-term bonds because you're getting a better yield than if you were to invest in uh, longer-term bonds, and uh, you also in a way have. Slightly less uh, default risk when you invest in shorter-term bonds because uh, they are, by nature, you know, you, you have more visibility on the short term uh, than you do on the long term. Of course, you do take reinvestment risk in that if you know if you're investing just in the short term and if the recession happens and uh, central banks uh, react to the recession in the typical fashion and they cut rates then maybe future yields will be lower and then you you might not be able to say lock in the longer yield that say a 10-year bond would uh, longer term yield that a 10-year bond would provide right now
0: all right is the yield curve generally something that fixed investors in fixed income products tend to pay attention to
1: Yes, it's, well, definitely something that fixed income investors would pay attention to quite heavily because it would, you know, affect the price. Essentially, you know, if, if the yield curve of the U.S. Treasuries is the risk-free rate at various maturities. So it would affect the price of uh, corporate bonds issued in U.S. dollars, you know, all across the curve. So something that investors will pay attention to. A
0: lot of clarity there, Chaisen. Thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Michelle.
0: He's Cheng Chai-sen, Head of Investment from Provident, with me here on Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.